This is The Plural of You, a podcast about people helping people. I'm Josh Morgan. Sarah Gray is a freelance editor and writer who lives in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Like many city dwellers, she and her husband felt trapped in a socially isolated lifestyle, but in 2013, they decided to do something about it. She began inviting friends, family, and neighbors to their house for spaghetti and meatballs every Friday night, and the idea was a hit. She later launched a website about it called Friday Night Meatballs, and it has since become a destination for people all around the world who are seeking to host gatherings like hers. I think Sarah is doing more than just inviting people to her house and writing about it online. She's preserving a certain type of relationship that's become more difficult to maintain these days, and that's on top of strengthening ties with the people in her own life. I'm glad Sarah is proving that we don't have to be content to live in social isolation. Here's Sarah Gray, founder of FridayNightMeatballs.com. Hello. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing very well. Nice and sunny outside today, so that's a plus. Oh, it's beautiful. We just had our daughter out at the park. It was great. It looks like dinner went well for you last night, too. It did indeed. I actually got a call the night before from my uncle who I hadn't seen in 10 years or so. Um, he lives down in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, his uh, fiance is a flight attendant, and they were supposed to go to Belfast for a couple of days. And uh, they, the logistics didn't work out, so they decided to come to Philly instead. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. We had six of us plus two kids. Very nice. So tell me about yourself. What's your background? I'm originally from Pittsburgh. I'm a freelance writer and editor. So, you know, I grew up in a working class suburb, uh, went to women's college, got a degree in philosophy and cultural studies, moved to New York, tried to figure out what I was doing for a long time. What led you out to New York? Uh, you know, the the sort of white hot center of the world, really. Um, the plan was to go to grad school. My husband, who was not yet my husband then, stayed in grad school for a while, but I dropped out after a semester. I was 21 and really not ready for that kind of specialization. Right. But the city was just you know, wonderful, intoxicating, but also a very difficult place to be if you don't have a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually tried to live there one summer and I didn't last very long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely, you know, a feeling of accomplishment when you survive. Mm -hmm. You know, getting through the first winter was a major milestone. But yeah, Philly's definitely a much more livable place. So you moved from New York to Philadelphia. That was 2006. Okay. And got married, had our daughter in 2009. And, you know, I was working for a translation agency doing project management and editing of things that had been translated into English. And I sort of watched the freelancers I worked with do what they do. And I thought, I kind of want that life. That looks pretty great. So... About four years ago, I went full-time freelance as an editor, and I've never looked back. Oh, good Love for it. you. Thanks. Very cool. So what was the spark that led you to try the Friday Night Meatballs concept? Well, for us, it was a matter of trying to see our friends. When you've got a little kid, and our daughter at the time had just turned three, you're busy, you're exhausted, hiring a babysitter gets expensive, you know, people invite you out and it's like, well, I just really, I can go out maybe once or twice a month. I'm, I'm sorry. We felt like we never saw anyone and we were isolated. And one of the least favorite things about being a freelancer is that you're kind of home alone all the time. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I said, well, why don't we just have people come to us? 
then, you know, if they have kids, they don't have to hire a sitter either. You know, so that was just how it started. I put up a Facebook status and it got more likes than anything I had ever put on Facebook before. (laughs) And people started passing it around. And once we started doing it, it was so much fun and so rewarding. You know, the amount of effort we put in versus the good that we got out of it, you know, was just so great that we decided to keep going. Never stop. What does your husband do? He's an office manager. Okay. He works for a security firm. Typical 95 kind of thing. Exactly. He's our source of health insurance also. And he's also a very talented cook. He's thought about doing it professionally, but he thought that would sort of take the fun out of it. So he does about 99% of the cooking in our household. You know, I can cook, but he's he really brings talent and passion to it. Mm-hmm. Well, it helps that your husband's a good cook, but I'm wondering if there's anything else that made you think this idea could work. Well, there was also a a shared love of spaghetti and meatballs. (laughs) Oh, well, that's (laughs) important. Joe's family is from New Jersey, very Italian. Every Sunday when he was growing up, his dad would cook up a pot of spaghetti and meatballs and have it simmering on the stove all day. And, you know, we had both grown up in families that liked to have big gatherings. and, And it was never a big deal. It was never something that you got dressed up for. It was just, you'd all go over to grandma's house and... Everyone would be there eating and playing cards and having fun. And we missed that. You know, we sort of, we want our daughter to have that. So that was sort of, you know, a shared cultural background. And um, also just, you know, both of us felt like we would never get sick of spaghetti and meatballs. That's our comfort. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we used to have friends over and we would make these fancy, fancy dinners and really go all out and it would take a lot of effort. And then half the time our friends you know, who didn't have that Italian-American background would be like, can you just make spaghetti and meatballs? That sounds really good. And we'd make it and they'd go nuts. You know, it's so delicious. So we said, why are we killing ourselves trying to find the perfect four-course meal when everybody loves this? I like that. It's, it takes a lot of the stress out of it. So you went on Facebook and you posted a status update to invite people. Mm-hmm. How did it play out from there? Well, I got a lot of comments and a lot of emails saying, me, 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 pick me. Basically, the first 10 people or so, we said, come on over. You know, everyone else, we said, okay, well, next week. Yeah, and, and for the first few weeks, you know, I was, I was putting out the, hey, we're doing this. And I would get all these messages saying, I'm so sorry. I can't make it to your thing tonight. I, we'll have to find some other time to hang out. And as we started doing it more regularly, people started to relax about that sort of thing because they realized if they can make it this week, no big deal. There's always next week. Mm-hmm. We skip weeks sometimes, you know, if we're out of town or one of us has a fever or something, but it's regular enough that it's not an event that anyone has to stress over. So I'm wondering, how do you juggle your gatherings with other people's events? It does kind of depend. We do occasionally miss out on some things that are on Friday nights. Our neighborhood does a thing called First Friday where the, uh, you know, galleries and different spaces are all open up the restaurants have specials and everything and we we haven't been to that for a while because we're always busy on friday nights you know but when something important is happening we might skip a week you know and it's it's become such a regular fixture that we don't really worry too much about doing that about how many people do you host at your gatherings on average well we found that we had to cap it at 10 because our dining room is pretty small oh i see (laughs) um that's that's as many chairs as we own (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is an issue. I didn't think of that. It is, you know? So we, and you know, in Philly, all the, the houses are little narrow row houses, so you don't have a lot of space. That And that's adults. 
whatever kids they bring, we always have a kids table going on in the living room. Uh, we sort of let the kids just take over the living room with a big pile of toys. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. So we don't always have the full 10. Sometimes, you know, it'll be a little quieter. Last night we had planned for five and then we had a last minute addition. So we ended up with six and, you know, it was a really nice size and we were able to kind of have a quiet conversation and visit more. When it's 10, it tends to be more of a party. I see. So we find that there's a different vibe every time, depending on how many guests there are, who they are. It's always a different mix of people, usually from different circles. So they might never have met one another if it weren't for this. Mm-hmm. So part of the fun is kind of seeing like, what's, what's the alchemy? What's the mix going to be this time? How do you keep the kids entertained or do they pretty well entertain themselves? Oh, they entertain each other pretty well. <laughs> There's one of our anchors, uh, our, our regulars, you know, is my friend Stephanie, who lives down the street. And she's got a daughter who's my daughter's age and they're fast friends. So those two, you know, as soon as they get together, they start playing. They're, you know, playing dress up and bringing out the toys and running around and having a ball. Mm-hmm. And then other kids join in as they come. And our house is just jammed with toys way too many toys so so, uh they're pretty easy to entertain okay the challenge is usually getting them to stop running around and sit down and actually eat something (laughs) so it it sounds like you have some regulars among your friends and acquaintances Uh, have you gotten your neighbors involved we have we've actually had quite a number of, of our neighbors around when we first moved here we didn't really know many people and then as we had a child we met more of them. You know, she's, she's in preschool. And so we, we kind of met the other moms and dads. Oh, that's nice. And now, you know, we're, we feel much more rooted. One of my clients is a web development company that's two blocks away. Everybody there works in the neighborhood. We've had the whole staff over. They, they're the ones who did the Friday Night Meatballs website, Pinnacle Performance Partners. And they've been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's a great website, by the way. So, you know, they've been part of it. And I ended up through them writing a website for the Neighborhood Association. Um, and then met everybody who was involved in the neighborhood association. And it it really broadened our, our roots right here in the neighborhood. So is Friday Night Meatballs inspired gatherings among people that have shown up? Well, we've had a lot of folks say, you know, particularly ones who are from out of town say, oh, I want to start my own. My uncle and his fiance last night, you know, were saying, we're going to start something like this in Jacksonville, Florida. This is great. There's been a lot of that you know, sort of direct transmission um, and also, you know, talking about it. On Facebook, a lot of people who don't live nearby have decided to take it up. And then I had an article published about it on Serious Eats, which is a, a popular food blog. And that post actually went really viral. It was one of their biggest articles of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. I was astonished at, at how much it spread. And I started hearing from people in all these other countries. And I mean, I know people... I've worked in translation, so I know a lot of people in different parts of the world. You know, I wasn't surprised when some of them started doing it. But to hear from countries where I didn't know anybody, we had this family in the Ukraine send us these photos of this great big gathering in their dining room, you know, and they're all just smiling and having a great time. That's amazing. There's another family, American expats in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam have been doing it regularly for, I think, almost a year now. They've been sending in pictures. Um, people put it on Instagram. We have a hashtag, Friday Night Meatballs. Um, and I check it every Saturday morning and see what people are putting up. And that actually flows right into our website. But, you know, we get these messages and uh, people in India, Malaysia, 
friend of mine actually did one in Gaza. Holy cow. It's it's really all over the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was reading your Facebook page and saw your recent posts about, you know, interviews and people that have mentioned you. And I'm really impressed with how it seems to be taking off lately. It's been a real surprise for us and a real pleasure. Um, we were profiled in Real Simple, which I saw was that too, yeah. really exciting. <laughs> My mom subscribes and I always read it at her house. I was really a little starstruck by that. <laughs> um, and I just I got a, a media request today from the website uh, from a journalist in Cape Town, South Africa. Wow. Who's writing for like a, a crafting magazine. <laughs> it's It's been kind of phenomenal. And, you know, I'm a freelance writer. I want to publicize my writing. I have a brand that I want to get out there. And so part of it for me has been also, you know, let's see how far we can get this to go. Um, And I'm actually, you know, I have a book proposal. I want to actually go to some of the far-flung places where people are doing Friday Night Meatballs and, you know, meet them and and talk about what what has changed in your community, what's changed in your life that you don't have that regular gathering and you need to find ideas from it about it on the internet. There was a megachurch pastor in rural Arkansas who did a sermon about it. That was probably the biggest mind blower for me. <laughs> <laughs> Just how many corners it can reach. Yeah. Yeah. So many different, you know, it, it's right and left, rural and urban. There doesn't seem to be any real barrier. Everybody loves it. It's sort of something that I think universally appeals to people. How has launching the website affected your own gatherings, or has it affected them at all? Um, they haven't changed much. I think the the difference is probably just that we we talk about it more. You know, people come over and they sort of tease me, like, "Oh, I saw you in Real Simple. We're we're doing something famous." But it, I, I don't think it's changed the character of it. Probably the only difference is that because more people have heard about it, I get a lot more people saying, "Hey, can I come?" Which is great. Yeah, and it still it varies from week to week. Some weeks we're overwhelmed, other weeks it's like we've got a pot of meatballs and we're like, oh, everybody's busy this week. We'll just have three or four people. But it's it, it's definitely changed my work life. How so? I've sort of met a lot of people from all over. I've been in touch with people I never would have been in touch with. And I've had a lot of requests from food magazines. So I've had a lot more opportunities to do food writing because of it. Food journalism is a lot of fun. That's kind of what you wanted to get into, I think, right? Well, I'm primarily a book editor, actually. I mostly do political science books. Uh, I see. <laughs> okay. So it's a little different, yeah. It's it's very different. But I used to have a food blog, and I, I really enjoy writing about food. And I actually think food and politics mesh in a lot of really interesting ways. Oh, how do you mean? Well, there are a lot of... Um, a lot of things to think about politically in terms of how we how we get our food, how we grow our food, how we sell it and distribute it. I live in a neighborhood that used to be what's called a food desert. There was one grocery store that was kind of crappy and you know people didn't really have access to a lot of fresh vegetables. In the time I've lived here, that's turned around 100%. We have an urban farm stand, we've got some quality grocery stores. We have gourmet restaurants. Not all of it's as affordable as it should be, but it's been a process of change. And particularly our urban farm, Greensgrow, has been really good about sort of trying to make itself as accessible as possible. But there's a lot to think about in terms of how food and culture and food and class come together. 
So you, you've touched on some of this already, but I, I wanted to ask how Friday Night Meatballs has improved your life. Would you say it's been successful at doing what you wanted to do? Oh, absolutely. I, I feel much, much less isolated since I started doing it. Good. I'm a real extrovert. My husband is not. He's an introvert. <laughs> I'm the extrovert. So I sort of do the social side of things. You know, he'll be in the kitchen putting the pasta on and having a beer with the other introvert. <laughs> whoever has showed up, which is nice because it kind of makes it accessible even for people who aren't really that into crowds. But it's sort of given us a lot more opportunities to see friends. We have a way to connect with people now. Um, when I meet somebody new and I like them and I want to invite them into my life in some way, you know, it's, well, we do this meatball thing. Come on over. There's an easy way to kind of bring people into your life. And they've connected. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of people become friends over our table. And that's, that's really rewarding in itself. But it's also, I think that the stronger the network of people around you, the more you have to rely on. So this winter, we went through a period where I was sick. My daughter was sick. It was snowing and we kept having these snow days and I had deadlines. And it was like, how am I going to get all this done? And my friends knew and came and took care of us and oh, wow. brought us food and, you know, took my daughter out for a movie so that I could get some work done. You know, it's things like that um, have been much more present in our lives since we started doing this. We, we have community in a way that we didn't before. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. Now, initially, were you reluctant to let people into your home? Like, I know most of them aren't strangers, but well, like Clutter, for example. I've seen you mention that community is more important than clutter, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's been the big one for me. I'm definitely not a neat nick. I'm terrible at housekeeping. <laughs> and my husband's not that great at it either. So it's that's a bit of a challenge. One nice thing about it is that it does sort of force us to clean at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> so we got that going for us. Yep. I try really hard not to sweat the housework. And I try to emphasize that this is not about sweating the housework. It's not about having a perfect house, right? It's about just being who you are and, and being okay with that. This has sort of forced me to come to terms with the fact that I'm never going to have the house beautiful, you know, the kind of house that somebody is going to want to profile in a magazine or something. And I'm totally okay with that. I like that. Yeah. You know, it's, we've got a five-year-old. Yes, there's marker on the couch. <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay. <laughs> Most people's houses look like that, you That's know, and I, I feel like I don't want that to be a barrier for anybody in terms of connecting with friends and community. And if I'm going to preach that to other people, then I have to do it, too. So, mm -hmm. so I've, I've kind of had to get over it and say, come on in, even if I didn't get a chance to vacuum. I like that. Now, I know the success of the website has been a surprise, but has anything else surprised you since you started this? Oh, that's a good question. I've definitely, I've been surprised by how much it resonates with people. I sort of thought this was the most obvious thing in the world. You know, it's dinner with friends. What's the big deal? Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that, you know, we're talking about doing it in a way that isn't labor intensive or is, is a lot less labor intensive than other ways of doing it and sort of trying to find ways of building community that fit with the way people's lives are now. I think that's what connected the fact that you can do this even if you don't have family who live nearby because it doesn't have to be family. 
you'll make family. Mm-hmm. A lot of our, you know, a lot of old traditions of, you know, dinner parties and that sort of thing counted on one member of the family staying home and doing housework all day or, you know, staying home and cooking and that sort of thing. And that's uh, I not never thought about the it reality like that. of most people's lives now. Yeah. Like women aren't really, you know, there are certainly stay at home moms, but the majority of us are, you know, juggling 5,000 things and trying to get something on the table when we get home from work. Right, and this right. is a way that you can do that. You know, we cook the meatballs the night before, put them in the slow cooker that day, get it all done beforehand. And I take maybe an hour on Friday afternoon to clean and the rest of the day I'm working. You know, that's way more simple than it might seem on the surface. I mean, at, at least to me, because when I think about having people over, I think about all the little things I have to do. Like it's this whole process, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you've solved it almost like your way is so much easier. After a while, you get it down to a science. <laughs> the other thing that you can do when, when you're doing it regularly is you can plan ahead. You know, you might cook up a really big batch of sauce and meatballs and freeze a bunch of it. And then all you've got to do is throw it in the slow cooker. So it's sort of the more you do it, the easier it becomes. You know, there are certainly weeks where, you know, we're stressed out and it it gets to be a lot. But we've generally found that even, you know, when we're having a stressful Friday afternoon and, oh, no, we forgot the, the tomatoes and we're running to the store at the last minute or whatever. By the time everybody gets there and we've all just, you know, settled down and said hello, the stress is gone. And at the end of the night, we're glad we did it. Now, I don't want this whole thing to come off as too good to be true. Uh, Have there been any problems that have come up that you didn't anticipate? There have certainly been times where it's been a little overwhelming. I think particularly in the winter, we tend to get overwhelmed, you know, with snow days and illnesses and what have you. There have been occasions where, you know, somebody didn't get along and, you know, we end up having like a great big political argument over the table or something like that. We we try to kind of defuse those things and, and make everybody feel comfortable, you know, but occasionally people are people. Those things happen. I think the biggest thing that I've learned from it is how to roll with it. I've I've gotten a lot better at sort of managing things when my plans get disrupted in some way. So given everything you've learned, would you have any advice for those of us who would like to start something like Friday Night Meatballs in our own neighborhoods? You know, I think the biggest thing is don't be afraid. Go ahead and take the plunge. Did you have any initial fears? Like, I don't know if I can do this. Oh, yeah. You know, how did you handle it? I was a little worried that it would just be too much, that it would be too stressful. You know, in particular, that cooking every week would be too much. You know, I was sort of like, well, you know, is my need for company putting too much of a, a burden of work on my husband? And we've talked about that. And there have been times where we felt overwhelmed, but he's, consistently said, and I've agreed with, it's really worth the work. You know, so I I think it looks more intimidating than it is, particularly the first couple of times you're, you're trying to figure out how to get everything done. And after a while, you, you start to kind of get a mental checklist and you know what's going to happen and you feel more comfortable and it becomes part of a routine that you don't want to live without. So I, I feel like if you can get past that initial barrier of intimidation, you find that it's really, really worthwhile. That's great. I like hearing you say that. Are you thinking about starting one? Yes, actually, I have been. Excellent. Yeah. So what has doing all this taught you about people? I think it's reminded me how important it is for people to actually see one another face to face. You know, doing everything basically over the internet for the past four years as a freelancer large part of my social life is online. And I always thought, oh, that's 
that's fine. That's no big deal. And certainly online social life is a real thing and a wonderful thing. But there's really no substitute for face to face and sharing a meal together um, and actually just being in someone's house in their real life. That's something that I think we've lost a lot, especially in cities. We gather in restaurants or we don't gather at all. Mm -hmm. The less you do it, the more it becomes this sort of psychological burden where you're like, oh, maybe I'd rather just sit on the couch instead. And once you actually start doing it and get used to it, you realize that there's a reason human beings have always done this. You know, it's actually not all that natural for us to be alone or in small groups all the time. It's, it's really kind of reminded me of this is what being human is all about. And it, I think the fact that it's caught on so universally says something about that. Very good. Now, you obviously have the website, but what would be the best ways for us to follow you online? We have FridayNightMeatballs.com, which I guess is our website. We also have a, a very active Facebook page, and that's Facebook.com slash FridayNightMeatballs. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at at FN Meatballs. And we're also on Instagram. We're Friday Night Meatballs on Instagram. And we love it when people use our hashtag. If you tweet or Instagram a photo, we will happily put it on the website. We actually have a, the website set up so that the Instagram account flows onto the website. So we'll, we'll repost you. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we also have a little form on the website where people can submit a photo and a story. And we've got a gallery of you know people's photos from all over talking about how they've taken part in Friday Night Meatballs and how they've adapted it. You know, people do tacos, people do brisket, people make it a Shabbat dinner. There are all sorts of ways. And it's sort of what works for you, what you like to eat, what your culture is, what you're comfortable with. It's, it's really pretty inspiring to see everything that people have done with it. Yeah. Now, what if someone wanted to contact you? What would be the best way to do that? Uh, you can always email me. I'm at Sarah with an H, S-A-R-A-H, at grayediting.com, G-R-E-Y-E-D-I-T-I-N-G.com. We also have a contact form on the website, so people can feel free to fill that out, and it comes right to my email. And you can also tweet me. Sounds good. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I think that's about it. I hope you'll let us know how yours goes. Oh, for sure, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. What you said about getting over that initial intimidation, I think that's what I've been hesitating about. Mm -hmm. But you kind of broken it down for me, so I'm realizing it doesn't have to be as challenging as I've made it out to be. Yeah, it's it's really easy to sort of build it up in your mind as this this great big thing that you've got to get done. Yeah, like it has to be perfect and all this sort of stuff. Right, right. And once you get over that and you realize it totally doesn't have to be perfect, and nobody actually cares whether there's dust on the windowsill, <laughs> this is one of the benefits of candlelight. <laughs> oh, I see. Right? Nobody yep. sees if there's dust in the corners. They just see your faces and what's on the table. And that's what matters. <laughs> I'll have to borrow that. That's a good tip. <laughs> Please do. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. And I'm honored because I've been so impressed with how successful this has all been for you. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. Okay. Well, that's all I have. All right. Thanks. I will look for your podcast. I'm really enjoying listening to it. Oh, oh thank you. I, I appreciate that. All right. Take care. You too. This has been The Plural of You, and I'm Josh Morgan. The show's website is pluralofyou.org. That's all I have for now. Thank you for being kind today. Take care. <laughs>